Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. Feels a little quiet in here. (laughs) I had to grab my lipstick quickly because probably my mom will be watching. And the last time, (laughs) the last time she was watching, she watches quite a bit, but she was like, Amy, I just, I just have one piece of advice. You're looking a little bit pale. It would go a long way if you put just a little bit of color on your face. I think you'd agree if you took a look. Just some lipstick, probably some blush. <laughs> I usually don't because I can't be bothered. But I thought, I look pretty pale today. I should quickly go grab some lipstick. So I thought you'd enjoy that. Sorry, guys. I know there's not a lot of testosterone here today. So if this is your first time, come back. And also, if you're here today, I believe it's because you are meant to be here. And God has something for you today in this place, in this moment, for today. Something from heaven. We've been praying for you. Um, We've been just preparing for this service. We've been preparing all month. We've been in a season, season, 21 days, but a season of prayer and fasting and really just believing that, you know, we're pulling heaven down and meeting with God and, and um, that, that lives are going to be transformed. And that happens when we meet with God. And so we're so glad you're here. And I am believing for great things, not just today, but because we meet with God and um, he will do great things in your life. So uh, before I get started, just as we finish this 21 days of praying and fasting, should it need to be said, but continue to pray. Continue to pray, you know? I think it's a great time, the beginning of the year, just to refocus, recenter, and then carry on with some of those things that you realize, okay, that really works. Like, I really enjoyed some of the changes and some of the things that I added into my prayer life and my devotional life that I already had. And some of you, maybe you started something new. Maybe you made a change. Continue to pray. And then, you know, some of you really enjoyed praying over these last few days. And so some of you are day 22 people. You know, we have prayer teams in our church. We have an intercessory team. We have an altar team that prays with people after. And so if you, if you really enjoyed that, you might be one of those people that that needs to maybe you haven't taken next steps in our church and you can do that and find out you know how can i be more involved in some of some of that side of what the church does um we look at the health of our church from our prayer meetings how many people make pre-service prayer their habit and so one of the things i would say coming out of this if generations church is your home church join us at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Be here. This is where we need to be. It's not just that we come at 1030 when the worship service starts. It's that we're together praying in this place. And when we call prayer meetings, do whatever you can to be there. You know, if you can be there, be there. Those are the important things. That's how we, we don't, we don't just say, oh yeah, there's, there's 200 people coming to church. If there's 200 people, but only the leadership showing up to prayer in the morning, something's wrong, right? We want prayer to be the place that people want to be. We want to invite you to be part of building a church that is 
a house of prayer. And, you know, in North America today, if a church calls a prayer meeting, not one-tenth of the people would show up. They would pay $20 to come see a comedian, or they would buy tickets to a Christian um, concert, but not a prayer meeting. They wouldn't, they wouldn't come, no way. We need day 22 people in our churches. We need people that are going to continue to pray. So let, I want to encourage all of us to do that, to build our life on prayer and to build our church on prayer. So as I dive into the message, let's just pray first this morning. God, I thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for the things that you've, you've done, for the love that you show us. And this morning, we just come with expectation. I ask that you would meet us in this place, that you would change us, that we wouldn't leave here the same. Help us to understand your heart for prayer, that um, you want to connect with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, a life built on prayer. This is the last in our series called pray. So the first um, thing that I want to consider, a life built on prayer, we need to make prayer a priority. Number one, make prayer a priority. So we've been focusing on this during this series, making prayer a priority and actually giving tools on how to pray. Have you ever found um, that the people who know how to pray don't always know how to help other people know how to pray? I was realizing just a couple of weeks ago, even with our own kids, we've, every year I feel like we add in another layer, helping them to become, you know, better at their spiritual disciplines, maybe their quiet time, learning how to pray, talking to God, but, but even just some of the principles that, excuse me, I've been reading about and learning in Chris Hodge's book, Pray First, have been so helpful to me, and I just thought, well, man, I wish I would have known these things when my kids were little. Like, just even some of the language, some of the principles. If I could just go back and do it like this way, I think I could have helped them better. And they'd be, they would feel like they knew how to pray differently now. And as, you know, we want to help them get beyond like, dear God, thank you for this day. Help my brother to stop bugging me. Amen. Like, sometimes it's like we just don't know how. And so I really appreciate, if you haven't read Chris Hodge's book, Pray First, or downloaded the app, for me, it has been super helpful. And I've read tons of books on prayer that are inspirational, motivational. They've helped me. They've changed me. I've been around people that, that have motivated and helped me. I've been, I have a husband that you know, his style is just pray all the time, pray without ceasing. He's not super systematic. I'm more systematic. And so these tools are actually something that helps us pass on how to pray. And um, I think that's a really important thing because a lot of believers struggle with making it their first priority. And our prayer life anchors us in our relationship with God. But how many people struggle with the practice of prayer. One of the things I think that stops us is, is this idea that God is just a big, mean judge in the sky. 
Because people consider, um, you know, that, that it's prayer is something they have to do, but it feels awkward and a little bit scary. So when I first started talking to God, I kind of didn't know if he was real. I didn't know what I believed. I knew there was a lot of rules. And I just kind of saw God as this big old judge in the sky with a gavel. Like, like he's just this scary guy. And I was like a nervous defendant approaching God in a courtroom. And that was my opinion of him. And he had already judged me guilty, you know? So I didn't really want to go into that courtroom. And I, I think that a lot of us believe that that we're afraid reaching out to God. We're afraid because if we reach out to God, he's going to judge us. But he's not judging us because his son has already lived the perfect life and made the sacrifice to pay for our sins. And he's not hiding behind smoke and mirrors like, like the Wizard of Oz or remaining aloof and distant. He simply wants us to talk to him, to tell him everything, to thank him. And to ask him for help, to ask him for blessing, to come to him and to trust him. So he's not a big, scary judge in the sky. We don't make it a priority because we don't think that we have the perfect words. We don't need the perfect words. We don't need to perform or deliver a monologue. We don't need to pretend to be someone else. How many of us will listen to someone that, that knows how to pray? Maybe they know Bible verses, and they, they seem to really just not struggle with their words when they're praying. And, and we look at that person and we're like, well, I can't pray like them, so I can't pray. You know, did anybody ever, did, did a baby start out learning how to talk and know the whole language? No. Why do we expect that of ourselves? Think about, think about the little children in our life. Depending on how old they are or what stage they are, their words vary. But they have this like open, loving, unself-conscious style of approaching their parent or the way my nieces and nephews will approach me. Like, like they don't care. They just want to communicate. They're going to tell me their words and they're coming to me because they know that I love them. And that, that is hard for us because we don't approach God like that. We view him as someone that's distant and unapproachable not knowing that he's this, he's like a parent, a father who lavishly wants to love us like his children. And we don't make it a priority because we, we, we wait until things are bad. So we sort of see prayer as something that we need when we need it. It's not often something we do until things get really bad, right? Like, I don't need it until I run out of money I don't need it until I'm fighting with my spouse. I don't need it until, you know, my job blows up. I don't really pray until... It, it's typically when something goes bad. And I can tell you that the things that will hold you together when things go bad are the habits and the patterns that you develop ahead of those hard times. It's not that... It's not that you can't go to God during the bad and the hard times. We should. But if you make it a priority now, it's so much better and so much easier when it's hard. And so 
I don't know if I can find the right words to say this, but this week was very hard for me. Like emotionally hard. I was mad, more than mad. I don't want to say furious, but I was mad and hurt. And my husband, lead pastor of the church, we pastor this church together. He's an amazing guy, and we have an awesome relationship. I love him. He made me so mad this week. I just didn't know what to do with it, and I was not going to let this one go. I needed him to know that he, he had hurt me. And um, because of that, there was a divide. And that divide for us, that distance, doesn't usually last very long. We're pretty good at, at communicating and closing that divide. But I cried from Tuesday till Saturday night over everything. Like I stepped in dog poop in the morning, I cried. I had to put windshield washer fluid in. I couldn't open the uh, shop door. I cried. The coolant was low after I put the windshield washer in. I cried. I couldn't open the cap. I didn't know which one the coolant was because the coolant reservoir doesn't say that it's coolant. All I could remember was that the last time he filled it, he stood on this side. I couldn't see in. It was dark. And I didn't want to call him or text him because we were fighting. And he's gone. He had gone to the manference. And I'm also mad that we're fighting before he leaves, which is why we were fighting, because I didn't want to fight before he left. <laughs> and um, I, I was crying over everything. It was just emotionally hard. And why I'm saying that to you is, why am I saying that to you? <laughs> um, because in those moments, I actually needed the, the habit and the structure of prayer that I'd already had. Because every time that I went to pray, what I wanted to do was think about how mad I was. Like, it was, like I get up in the morning and I, and I pray first and I, I was even following the tabernacle prayer has been really helpful for me. It just really, really helped me with structure. We um, taught on it a couple weeks ago. It's in the app if you want to review it. Just kind of focusing, like, how, how you can structure your prayer. And so I would kind of say good morning to God and start thanking him. And then I would think about like, this is how I want to tell him. He's not understanding. This is how I, this is how I'm going to word it to him. Maybe he'll understand this time. And my mind would just go to these places. And then I would, I'd go to darker places because I was pretty mad. And, and then I'd go back to this structure of like, no, you know, I'd get to the, to the laver and I'd be like, okay, God, I want to look in the mirror. Like what's in my heart? Clean my heart. You forgive me. I want to offer forgiveness. Help my mind to have the mind of Christ. Help my mouth to speak your words. I don't want to say anything that's hurtful. I don't want to say anything that doesn't help. God, would you... And I would just structure my prayer time to, to keep myself ordered. Because if I didn't already have that, I think I could have caused more damage. I think I would have just operated out of my flesh. And um, I wrote him a three-page letter. I think he's probably gotten maybe five of those in our 
two years of marriage, maybe, I don't know, like every once in a while, I'm just like, it's not working to talk, so I'm going to write you a letter. And so by Saturday night, I'll just say this, something shifted in the spiritual realm, and I don't think your husband, or if you're a man, that you had to be at Man Friends to experience what shifted in the spiritual realm. But sometimes what we go through breaks ground for what the church is going to go through. And coming out of prayer and fasting like that, God does want to deal with some things that are kind of there. Some things need to be uprooted. And so for us, there was, there was something that we needed to just work through. And I'm telling you, the, the ministry time that he just briefly was able to summarize with me as we reconnected on Saturday night... Um, there will be healing. There will be healing in marriages. There will be healing in homes. There will be healing in the church. There will be healing that will go out into businesses, into the city, into your families. Don't give up. Don't not pray because you're mad. Don't turn away. And, to, and I just want to add to that too, like, I think as women, again, it's like, well, my husband, he doesn't do these things, and so I'm justified in my attitude or my not doing these things. I have, I have prayed for things for years that just maybe last year I'm starting to see. Some of them maybe for 20-some years I've prayed for and asked God for, and maybe not faithfully. Maybe they were prayers I threw up into the air, and I didn't actually pray for them. So I just encourage you, if you need healing, if you need transformation in your relationships with your spouse, with your family members, with people at work, whatever it is, bring those things to God. Bring those things to him and believe that there can be change. He wants to hear from you. Don't just wait until things are bad. Build the habit, because when you have the habit, it will help you navigate those hard times. So, <laughs> dog poop, I don't know. <laughs> Try not to step in it, that's the takeaway. Just kidding. <laughs> and don't cry about it. <laughs> oh, you guys. We're, we're not just dealing with the physical realm. There's spiritual things going on, right? And so keep that in mind, even, even in your own family. We need that structure. Um, and we don't need to be religious about it. And so I, th I think there's a balance between um, not being religious about it, not making pr prayer a duty, not being overly systematic, but also using the tools, yeah. using the systems that will help us become better at prayer. I have found in my lifetime that it's these little intentional things that I add in over time. You know, I can't do, I never did everything. The day I became a Christian, I didn't add in everything that day. But over the years, I added it in and it helps us become better at prayer. Um, and so what I love about this concept of pray first is it reminds you that you should pray first in every situation, before every conversation, before the appointment, before your kids leave the house, before that Zoom meeting, before your difficult um, discussion, when when bad things happen, pray first. Before bad things happen, pray first. Let prayer be our first response, not our last resort. So building a life on prayer makes prayer 
a priority. So let's get into the word. The early church, followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to prayer and prayed continuously. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. To fellowship, not in my notes, but I did want to say this this morning. I think if you're in this church, you're in the right place. Because you know what? My husband got up. He was the first one to speak on Saturday morning. And what did he say? Hey, guys, my wife and I aren't talking. We were talking, but not like we usually do. And there's some distance between us. And that's how, that's how vulnerable he was to start off the session. By Saturday night, every man was coming forward for prayer the topic being pretty, pretty much about relational issues. And so if you're in this place, it's not just that you're going to go for counseling. It's not just that you're going to have prayer. It's that you're going to have people that you can walk it out with. So I have people. I don't have to hide. He doesn't have to hide. We're real people that go through real things that are hard. And so... Fellowship doesn't just mean, oh, we hung out and we ate some good food. It means we did that enough together so that we built trust. And now I have someone I can trust because not everybody can be trusted to know every time I might think he's being a jerk or he might think I'm being emotional. But someone can know. And so in this place, put your roots down so that you can have someone you can trust. Men, women, we need to fellowship so that we aren't just thinking, oh, I just have to be more spiritual. No, it's both. People speaking into our life. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It's all of those things, right? That was a sideline but we're because we're focusing on prayer, but you see how it all connects. And so, so many times we hear people say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. That's backwards. We're going to pray first. You know, we're going to pray first. So, making prayer a priority in our life. Pray as much as you can while you're doing everything else. Yeah, I'm going to pray first in the morning. I'm also going to pray while I'm driving. I'm going to pray when, it, you know, when I think of it during the day. I can't not do laundry. I can't not do my job. And pray throughout that as well. It's, it, the goal is to make it a priority. And making it a priority involves having a, a place and a plan. And I think sometimes we justify our prayer life or our lack of it with a little bit of like grace doctrine, like, oh, we don't have to, we don't have to have a time to pray because we pray all the time, or we don't need a place or a plan because it's like the quality, not the quantity of my prayer. And yet we see that Jesus was God, and he demonstrates both quality and consistency in his prayer life. And throughout his ministry, Jesus knew the importance of getting away from the noise and the chaos of the crowds to connect with his father. So number one, we make it a priority. Number two, we find a place to pray. So Jesus had a place. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
Over and over again, we see a pattern of Jesus making time to pray alone. Matthew 14, 23, Luke 9, 18, 22, verse 39 to 41. Um, in In Mark, chapter 1 and verse 36, after Jesus had got up very early in the morning, verse 36, Simon and his companions went out to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And all the dads that go to the bathroom said, uh-huh, <laughs> so I'm in here. And all the moms that forgot to get up early in the morning while it was still dark can relate to that feeling of everybody looking for them all day long. The place matters, time matters, and you know, as much as throughout my life as I, I've tried to offer up other solutions to myself that I can pray when it works for me and I can pray all the time, there's just something better about praying first and having a place. There's something better about a structure and an intentionality when I do things the way Jesus did them. And Jesus liked the garden. Maybe it was because he had a view of Jerusalem and he could consider the people. I have had a few favorite places over my, over my lifetime, um, you know, but unfortunately, there are times when the place has to change. So we can't be so stuck in the place. It's the idea of finding a place, getting away, getting alone. It takes a little bit of effort. I'm in, I'm in a stage of life right now where I'm not content with my options for a place, but I know that I... I'm going to make a place in the space that I have. When I was young, my place was my bedroom. In the morning, in the evening, I would lock my door, I would turn on music, and I found it easy to get alone. I would find um, that I could just zero in on talking to God, and I really learned how to pray and connect with Him at that time. As I, as I um, got a job, I would find that I used my vehicle as my place. I got into my vehicle and instantly... That was me and God. I would just zero in on talking to him and listening to him. I always had a really long drive to work every day. And the minute I got in my car, I was intentional about turning my thoughts toward him. And so that kind of changed as I got married and had kids. Both of those places weren't super alone anymore. And I found it harder to, to keep that time special. My husband didn't find it very ideal that... I wanted to get alone with Jesus before bed because he wanted to get alone with me. And I didn't like getting up early because my work schedule um, was hard. And so I just had this tension of like, huh, I got I to gotta figure this out. It's, it's important to find an undistracted environment. No computers, no phones, no children. I would find um, when my four kids were young, I was never alone. And if I wanted to be alone, I had to choose not to sleep. And as they grew older, I found a favorite spot to pray. It would either be my front deck in the summer with the warm sunshine or my front window on the couch. And I'd get up before them. And, you know, sooner or later, they figured out that I was getting up before them. And they would join me. And so I had to be very intentional with, like, listen. This is my quiet time. And I guess you can be welcome here. I don't really want you. (laughs) But if you sit here, you can have your Bible and you can sit beside me. Maybe you can like touch your shoulder to mine, but I'm not like super cuddling you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not reading the Bible to you. You can look at your pictures 
This is my alone time. We have to be really intentional about it. And that changed again when I moved because I would go outside and try to like have a lovely time and then all the turkeys and that free roamed would stand right in front of me and yell at me. Like, ah, I don't want to do it. Um, like actually they would. And it was so annoying. And then the bugs would, they were bad bugs. And <laughs> I don't like any bugs. And so I had to try again. And you know, then the inside of my house is just not the way I want it to be right now. And so I have to decide even the night before, like, hey, I'm going to sit at the island, so I need that island to be clean so that I'm not going to be distracted in the morning or I'm going to sit on the couch. I have to be intentional. It doesn't have to be special. It just has to work for you. It has to be about consistency and intimacy. And so I would ask you today, what place would be the best prayer place to work for you? What place would be the best for you? A private place helps us, and you can pray wherever you are. The other thing that I do is I have a prayer journal. It also acts like a place for me. It's um, where I can write notes and, you know, that I'm ready to pray because of that. It helps me have a place wherever I am. Well, luckily for me, it's actually, like, in the cloud because I don't have a journal anymore. It was my iPad, and it went through the washing machine last week. I also cried about that because my washing machine is broken for the second time in its lifetime and I have to drive my laundry to town again. Um, you know, warranty that they never want to show up for. And so we had a load of laundry that we just dumped into um, the washer at my mother-in-law's house and because we were traveling it back and forth, another bag happened to have fallen into the hamper which contained my iPad. It was discovered smashed at the end of the load. So luckily, my prayer journal still exists in the cloud, and I can access it otherwise. But um, it's helpful for me that I, I can show up, you know, if the place changes, if I'm on vacation, if I'm at the office because something had changed, and my, my plan is there, who I'm going to pray for, who the Bible verses God is talking to me about, and um, scriptures I'm writing down, things I'm believing for. It helps us stay organized. I can also check them off and then celebrate like, wow, look at what God has done. So in other words, we want to have a place, number two, and number three, have a plan for prayer. When we go into that conversation with God with a plan, it helps us. We see the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to pray. And this one is so obvious that it gets overlooked. Sometimes consistency is not the issue. Some people have no problem showing up ready to pray, but then they don't know what to do when they get there. And like sometimes without a plan, we're just going to ramble or we're only going to think about ourselves or like I said, we're so mad at, at someone and, and that's the only thing we can think about. This helps us re, refocus. Um, and people, people might argue that, like, oh, I don't need a plan. It seems too structured. I want spontaneity. Any good relationship will talk about structure and planning. If you have children, you'll sit down with your husband sometimes and talk about, you know, okay, we have this issue. Um, we're going to talk about parenting our children or your finances. You're going to discuss your bills and your budget, your goals and your dreams, your, your fears and your concerns, for the future and they'll all come up kind of based on circumstances and context 
But if you do that on a regular basis, not just waiting for a problem, it actually makes things easier. When we check in with each other, get on the same page, finding, we find in our family, like just even having a family meeting once a week um, with our family, we do that on Monday night on family night now, just family meeting, here's some things. Um, Travis and I have a weekly meeting, here's some things. When we do that and check in with each other, add some structure to it, it actually makes the rest of the week and our relationship flow better because we kind of get those things out of the way. Same with a plan when we pray with God, um, we can have a plan. It helps us focus our topics and our methods. It, it gives us an awareness of how important God is. And then even if we think of like the tabernacle prayer, it gives us kind of an outline of how to approach him. It's no different than if, if my kids just kind of barged into my office and were like, mom, I need some money. I'd feel disrespected by them. Right? But if they knocked on the door and they were like, hey, mom, is this a, this a good time for you? How was your day? And they, they checked in relationally with me and then started talking about their needs. That treats me like a person. That relationally shows that they, they care about who I am. And they're not just placing an order like at a drive through so I bring more to the place of prayer than just the time to do it. If we don't do that, we'll get bored. And so Jesus gave his disciples a prayer outline. Um, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 2, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And I wonder if we consider the Lord's Prayer. Some of you know it, probably most of you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do we think of that as a prayer, poem, or an outline to pray? Because Jewish men would have learned to memorize prayers as they grew up. Maybe you learned the Lord's Prayer as you grew up, and there's nothing wrong with memorizing prayers like this. But the key to prayer is knowing why and how, because prayer should draw you closer to God. And if we treat it like a script, it's not facilitating relationship. And so the disciples hearing Jesus pray would have made a connection, like some of these words seem familiar they seem similar to how we were taught, but how Jesus is using them here is a little unusual. It's a little different how he's talking with his father. And so let's just consider that he wasn't teaching them, hey, I need you to memorize this, but showing them a plan for prayer, not just a poetic phrase, but a prayer outline. Recognizing, okay, here's how we approach the father. He's a father. He loves us. We're his children. He's holy. We're going to put his will above our own. We're going to ask for the kingdom to come to earth. We can ask for anything we need because he's our provider. We need his forgiveness in our life. We need to be made right with him. And if we start praying this way, like it's an outline, like, God, forgive me. I need to be right with you. He wants us to have right relationships with others and extend the same forgiveness. Like, thank you for your forgiveness, God. Would you, would you help me to forgive this person that has hurt me? 
You know, ask him for help to do the right things, to stay away from sin, to keep us on the path to purity, like legitimately turning our mind to, to intentionally ask, like, God, I need help. I am tempted to do this thing. These are the things I'm struggling with. And then worshiping him for who he is, not just for what he's done. That plan helps you focus when you're praying. So it's a compass to navigate the relationship with God. Number four, I'm just going to skip over pretty quickly. Pray powerful prayers. So it's a conversation with God, but it's not just that. Because when we meet with God, we will be changed. And things will change. We need to expect God to show up. And I want so desperately for the people in my life, for our church, to begin to move past these wimpy little prayers about nothing. Like, come on, church. Let's stop praying just for the next toy that we want. When are we going to start dreaming bigger? We need, to, I, 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 we need our church building to be stood up. That's a small dream. Why does that seem like the biggest thing? Let's start praying for the nations. Let's start praying that some of our youth are going to passionately rise up and do some damage in the city, in our high schools, and beyond. We don't want these prayers that do nothing. We need to deal with the stuff that's in our hearts so that we can begin to, to pray some big prayers. A.T. Pearson says there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. When the early church prayed, it looked nothing like modern-day prayer. They had prayer meetings with rushing mighty wind, tongues like fire, earthquakes, and prison doors opening. You come into a church in Canada, North America, what do you see? Heads down. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And someone leads the prayer. One of the first gatherings of the early church, church can be found in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are reporting back to the Sanhedrin, this group of Jewish believers made up of Pharisees, Sadducees, and temple priests. And they had to testify in front of them because a few days before, there was this crippled man he was crippled from birth, and the two of them had been approached by him. He'd asked them for money. And if you know the story, how does it go? Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. And as Peter helped him stand, instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. And began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. With all of, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate. He could have been there for years, maybe even decades. And as the people began to question him, they found out where the source of healing came from. And the man rushed back to Peter and John. And Peter and John excitedly grabbed the opportunity to share about Jesus Christ. They preach until evening, and at that point, they're arrested. I just can't even imagine our culture being like, yeah, I'm going to press in. You know, I'm going to keep going here. I don't care what people think. But they keep preaching. They're arrested, but not before 5,000 people decide to follow Jesus. That came from one man being healed. And the religious people found that threatening. They didn't know what to do with them. And, what, and they let them go. 
So then they went back to the place of prayer. Acts chapter 4, 23 to 24. On their release, Peter and John went back to their people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Verse 29, now Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were unified together in prayer. And like I was saying, we have this culture that everybody just kind of prays silently in their head. That's not prayer. That's not powerful prayer. We need powerful prayers. We need prayers that change things. We need voices raised together. When we gather Sunday morning, the prayer leader is not trying to have all the words. They're trying to stir you up to raise your voice. They're trying to stir you up to pray to heaven together in prayer to God. And Peter and John didn't do all the praying. There wasn't one person that was anointed while everybody just whispered, yes, Lord. They didn't pray their own variety of requests. They prayed together. Second Chronicles 7:14. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven, well, I skipped a part, they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Powerful prayers, unified, lifting our voices together. They prayed scriptural prayers. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. All of God's promises have been fulfilled. Pray promises directly from scripture. And they were bold. We need to be encouraged to pray loud, bold prayers. The devil wants us to pray wimpy prayers. You know, I can't tell you how many times maybe a thought has come into my mind, like, pray for this, ask for this. I'm like, I don't want to be the one. What if it doesn't happen? You know? prophesy to that thing. Make it come to pass. Pray bold prayers. And every time I have done what the Holy Spirit has led me to pray, not for me, not because I want to, you know, make, make something happen, but if I've been obedient, powerful things have happened because of the Lord. Pray bold prayers. Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That Greek word, fervent. It's actually one word, energeo, engaged in. It intensifies. It means properly energized, working in a situation from one stage to the next, like an electrical current energizing a wire, bringing it to a shining light bulb. It means like red hot boiling over prayers. We need bold prayers. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. And just as I wrap up, I'll get the worship team to come. Number five, we need to relate to the persons of prayer. So it's not just about the prayer, it's about the person to whom the prayers are directed. And we know that God is a person, three in one, called the Trinity. Each one having a different role. We see that from Genesis through Revelation. In 2 Corinthians 13, it says, the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, 
the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. They're the same. Jesus Christ, the love of God, the friendship of the Holy Spirit. But they have different roles in our prayer life, and the amazing grace of Jesus is mentioned first because Jesus connects us to the Father. He's the mediator. He's the intercessor between you and God. And so we pray to God the Father in Jesus' name. Hebrews 4 tells us that he's our high priest. Jesus made it possible for us to be co-heirs. He paid the price. And if you feel far from God, if you feel like you can't connect to God, ask yourself the question, what have I done with Jesus? Have I accepted the free gift that he gives me? Because he loved you so much, God gave his one and only son. And unfortunately, our own view of our earthly fathers can pollute our view of our heavenly father. And our view of God determines our relationship with God. You can't have access to God if you don't believe in Jesus and allow him to make things right between you and God. As part of his family, we look to him as father. The extravagant love of the father. So because of Jesus, we look to him as a father. Ephesians 3.14, for this reason I kneel before the father. And that doesn't mean we crawl lowly to him. In, in Jewish culture, in the Hebrew culture, actually the children would always kneel before their father and he would bless them. Connect with the grace of Jesus. Connect with the love of the Father. And then you can know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, the one that goes with you everywhere. Literally, parakletos means to be by one side. He's your helper, comforter, counselor, your best friend all day long. And so we can learn to pray from friendship and fellowship. And so we need to just ask this morning, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Because I believe that there may be someone here today that has an unhealthy fear of God. And maybe someone here today that has never accepted Jesus and the work that he's done for them on the cross. Maybe you're picturing that judge in the sky that, that, that just already judged you as guilty, not as the loving father that hates how sin hurts and destroys people. And without Jesus, we're all guilty of sin. But God, that loving father, made it so that I could be in relationship with him. That Jesus, was, Jesus would cover me, give me his righteousness so I could stand before him just as if I've never sinned. And the miracle of that is we can then come into God's presence unashamed. Knowing we're extravagantly loved and wanted and accepted. And someone here today needed those very specific words. You are extravagantly loved and wanted and accepted. Maybe you're in a difficult situation and you haven't prayed because you're afraid of what you really want to say to him. I want you to know he can handle anything. He wants you to come just as you are. He wants you to be real even when you're upset. We've had a couple of conversations about relationships this week, and it's no different than God. We would rather have conflict than silence. 
God would rather hear your swearing and ranting and complaining than have you distance yourself from him and dismiss him and walk away. If you've done something that you know you shouldn't have, he still wants to talk to you. If you're miserable and grumpy, he still wants to talk to you. Build your life on prayer. Why don't you stand up? The worship team is going to sing one last song. We're going to pray. If you'd like to respond, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you for any reason at all, or you need prayer for any reason at all, I'd like you to come. And there will be people off to the side that can pray for you. I can pray for you. And um, just trust that as we move forward, God will do a work. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. We thank you for your word that it's alive and active and sharp. What do you want us to do with what we've just heard? Help us to understand that prayer is about connecting with you. Would you come and move and speak in this place? like only you can do. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.